supporting the needs of employees who also serve as caregivers and how their skills can yield unexpected benefits for their companies. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. What if I said there are probably several people in your office or flight operation right now who you might not realize are uniquely adept at problem solving, adapting to unexpected situations, and managing a crisis? Well, chances are those co-workers are caregivers. And as Jessica Webster, founder and president of Hera Aviation Group, explains, that term can encompass more than you might realize. Caregiving entails a very, very broad depth and range of responsibilities. It entails so much more than even I realized in my own journey in aviation, both professionally and personally. You know, when I first started out flying, all I was responsible for was my plant. And as I grew in the industry and in my personal life, I ended up being a caregiver to my aging grandparents. I was a flight instructor then when I was doing that and then eventually had children and uh, one is autistic. It also flexes as that caregiver ages and their responsibilities change to who they're caring for. An aging parent or grandparent, a disabled parent or grandparent, one that is ill. I will eventually be a caregiver to one of my siblings. I know several people in the industry that are caregivers and primary caregivers to their disabled siblings. So I think it's important that we as an industry understand that there is a large, large, diverse experience and lived experience with our caregivers. I'm also pleased to welcome Reed Columbia, chief pilot for a Fortune 250 flight operation. And in your experience, Reed, how do a company's policies or attitudes toward caregivers affect their ability to attract and retain workers? The issue of attraction and retention has been a common topic for several years now in business aviation. And the fundamental difference between these policies that we're talking about, accommodations, if you want to use that word, is that these are really requirements for caregivers to function in their personal lives. However, flexibility and some things we were talking about with self-scheduling, compressed or staggered working hours and shift trading policies, these are desired by most workers in business aviation. So they're required for caregivers to really function. But, you know, don't be mistaken. This is a quality of life thing that everybody's looking for in business aviation. This is what is offered by the airlines. If this type of scheduling flexibility is offered by our competition, we're going to be at a disadvantage in business aviation. I was talking with a pilot the other day who is a single father. He's got sole custody of two adolescent boys. He makes virtually all of his career decisions around flexibility of schedule. It's tempting to look at pay as the silver bullet to staffing and attraction and retention problems. And, you know, I get that. Numbers are concrete. We can look at them and it's tempting to throw money at this retention problem. But often for caregivers, flexibility is a higher priority than paying benefits. We can't dismiss that part of the puzzle, but caregivers' priority may be that they have the schedule and flexibility that allows them to care for their loved ones. My third guest is Katrina Capistrant, Assistant Chief Pilot for a Fortune 200 company. 
you know, if you're looking at it from an operational standpoint, the dollars and cents show that there's a huge cost to addressing the issue of retention. There's a huge pilot shortage that we've all been talking about as an industry. It does come down to the quote bottom dollar. And I think if we're trying to answer these questions simply with increased wages, we're missing the mark. I think that there's sort of a new generation of folks that are looking at their career, not just as a paycheck and not just as the job, but part of their lifestyle. And so I think we all need to adapt and and understand that there's a multifaceted component to why folks stay at their place of employment and what really drives them as individuals. And it's incumbent upon us as the aviation leaders to identify those driving factors and, and really tailor our work environment to meet those needs. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, this message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, the latest digital edition of your magazine is ready. Just visit nbaa.org slash insider and all the latest intel will be in your hands. We're back now with Jessica Webster, Reed Columbia, and Katrina Capistrant, and our discussion about accommodating the needs of employees who serve as caregivers outside the office. Katrina, we've seen many companies change their policies regarding caregiving over the past two years as another effect from the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you believe these new policies will continue beyond the current crisis? Yeah, I mean, I hate to use the term new normal. It's a little trite, but that's what we're in. You know, I mean, uh, the last two years has shown us that we've had to adapt and pivot to the way we've done things in the past. And that's for all of us. And so it's, it's shed a new light for all of business, including business aviation on obligations outside of work and and how we manage those things. And so, you know, I think this post pandemic world is here to stay, you know, uh, companies and and certainly flight departments have identified work that can be done remotely and has been um, successfully done remotely. We've updated flexible work policies and We've also implemented new work processes and policies. There's new tools and technology that support more flexible work and uh, remote collaboration. Gone are the days of pilots coming in just to fill the seat in the office when they're not flying. At this point, we've identified a lot of those ancillary duties that can be done from home and, and can be done based on the employees having control over when that work can get done. And I think that that's shown a positive increase in collaboration and and teamwork. And there's been a lot of positive outcome in terms of um, efficiencies that have been driven based on us just adapting. Jessica, in an education session at NBAA Base last October on this issue, you discussed the term agile work. What is agile work and how can it be applied to business aviation? So agile work is essentially a way of working in which an organization, it empowers its people to work when and where and how they choose. And that allows them the maximum amount of flexibility with a minimum amount of constraints. But essentially it optimizes their performance and it allows individuals and our teams to do our best work. And what's interesting is I was listening to Katrina, she's explaining agile work. We already do it in aviation. A good example that I often use is the flight deck. We have a responsibility to get to where we're going 
safely and efficiently. We have our SOPs. We know what our standards are. And yet how we do that really requires us to be flexible and think differently as the situation changes and adapts. Agile working allows our teams, if we're thinking about it in a higher level, to really just find the most appropriate and effective way of working together, you know, to carry out a particular task within those guidelines of the task, but without those boundaries, you know, that we think of the old way of work and how we achieve it. It's really about adaptability and efficiency. And it also gives us, too, an opportunity to think different about work in general and particularly the skills and the adaptability and the innovation that caregivers bring to this whole tenant. Katrina, the concepts of agile work and flexing around an employee's caregiving needs are definitely important considerations, but it also seems those would be easier to implement at larger companies. How would you recommend that smaller companies or flight operations accommodate those needs, even if they don't have perhaps the same resources available to them? There are some major support components that a larger company can provide, such as, you know, contributing to dependable flex spending accounts for childcare and caregiving needs and and staffing abundantly to support time off, those kinds of things. But not all policies require additional bodies and dollars. You know, it's really fundamentally all about providing flexibility and communication to the extent that's appropriate to the organization. And so in all cases, that's resetting performance goals to consider alleviating employee anxiety about negative performance reviews and losing their jobs based on their needs outside of work. It's contributing to identify work, like I said, that can that can be done remotely and giving employees more control over those things. You know, uh, most of the ancillary duties that all flight departments need to get done don't need to be done on a nine to five schedule um, and certainly don't need to be done in, in person either. And in terms of staffing, it's all about networking to create relationships to backfill for constraints that might pop, pop up. As uh, Jess mentioned, you know, we, we'll all be in this place of being required to be a, a caregiver at some point in our lives. And to ignore that fact is, is to ignore the need that we all have. And that will lead to shortages and, and attrition, as Reed mentioned before. And, and that can be a much heavier expense than those provided in creating, you know, quote, accommodations for folks to reside in a healthy and happy work environment. Aviation doesn't have to be an anomaly. You know, I, I would just suggest that department leads engage with corporate workforce, HR, legal, and, you know, the other corporate services that do exist and develop strategies that meet the broader business goals. I think that we sometimes operate in a silo ignorantly in aviation where we discount some of the policies and um, support functions that are already there for our corporate counterparts. And so I would just say re-engage and, and re-examine the mix of tactical and emotional support functions that are available. Also, you know, engage with the employees themselves, with, with the people in the department, create surveys. You know, those are, are free to do to see what are the needs and, and, and start to brainstorm what can we do to leverage our talent to create smart solutions. Also, some of these policies that, you know, they don't have to be so heavy and so detailed. I would just say that you have the answers within your department. It's really just engaging with those folks. 
Read, How Can Adapting More Accommodating Caregiving Policies Help Strengthen a Company and Its Workforce? Caregivers are just an inherently great addition to any flight department. Aviation is heavily technical and it's process-oriented, and caregivers really help to bring a human aspect to business aviation. You know, some qualities caregivers bring, they're adaptable and innovative, we're team-oriented, and maybe the biggest one, we're caring and loving people. These qualities are assets to any flight department, especially in an industry that's heavily customer-centric. We need people who are team-oriented and innovative problem solvers. Those are things that we do as caregivers. You know, we solve unusual, complex caregiving problems, things that you can't even anticipate. These are skills that are easily transferable to business aviation. You know, leading teams of different types of industry professionals and having a caring and loving attitude while you do it. And that's how you strengthen a company's flight department and build a better work environment that we can all enjoy every day. You know, those are great points about the importance of caregiving skills at our jobs and really across our lives. I'm the primary caregiver for my parents. And while, of course, I'm happy to fill that role, there have been more times than I care to admit when those responsibilities have seemed more like obstacles I'm constantly vectoring around so I can also maintain all my other obligations. Well, Rob, you know, we've touched on the idea that everybody will face a caregiving challenge at some point in their life and career. And that's been my experience through this project. As soon as we start talking about this, people have just opened up and shared, hey, you know, this is something I'm facing in my life where this is what's going on. My spouse is facing this challenge. And, you know, these are stories that I did not anticipate. And it's been amazing. The challenges and the fortitude of pilots maintenance technicians and schedulers, it's been a reminder that caregivers are not a distinct and separate group. We are all caregivers and we will be caregivers at some point. It's tempting to think of caregivers as this separate entity or demographic and that's just not the case. So these things we're advocating, these policy guidelines and best practices are best for all of us. And Jessica, such policies are also important, given that the caregiving role only tends to grow larger as we get older. Oh, definitely. And I think that's what we're realizing now as an industry is that at some point, whether or not we choose or end up caring for children, we will eventually be a caregiver in some capacity. And I think that Our industry is flexing its deep understanding of what that means because it's not temporary. A lot of organizations are growing and changing and iterating with this. But when I started flying, your understanding was my understanding was that it was paternity or maternity leave. And actually, when I started flying, there wasn't even paternity leave. But, you know, caregiving is going to continue and it will grow. I was just talking with an individual the other day who considers himself part of the sandwich generation, which is he's caring for his disabled parent and he has four small young children, two of whom he's fostering. And I think if we can support that individual in our industry, we're going to solve a lot of issues that we're seeing right now. When we talk about incoming generations, a lot of times what I think is lacking in an understanding is that these cohorts that are coming in are not the same cohorts like myself that started in this industry. They have a 
highly embedded value of culture. When they are looking at an employer of choice, they want an organization that is encouraging, incorporating, celebrating underrepresented cohorts, those that are different, such as caregivers. So I think the idea that we have had in the past that we would just bring in really exceptional people into this sort of pipeline in our industry and have them mold to what our old expectations are, which the systems aren't working right now. I think that there's an opportunity here to understand that that is no longer the case. So we need to really think about how we value these cohorts like caregivers and how we can create new systems to support all so that we all are able to contribute to the industry, to each other, to our organizations that we serve. And I think that's how we're going to get through this gap that we're seeing of retention and attraction of these qualified individuals. Consider, too, how caregiving contributes to diversity of thinking and embracing backgrounds and experiences others may bring to the table that we may not even realize they have. That speaks directly to our industry's desire to become more diverse, equitable, and inclusive, and to encouraging all within business aviation to be true to their authentic selves. For more information about this effort, visit nbaa.org diversity. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.